Actually, I want to show you this. I talked about this um, Sunday night. So Sunday night, by the way, too, we do house, not house fellowship, online fellowship. And you just go to freedomministries.live. I'll send out an email tomorrow to remind you guys. Freedomministries.live, and it automatically connects you to Zoom. So there's people all over the world that jump on there, and you can ask questions and get prayer there. But I was looking for this with the Inspire 100. A lot of you guys online, it's just, it's something very meaningful to me. You know, even in the Old Testament, when, when they were saying, hey, if you want true religion, take, Jesus says, if you want true religion, do what? Take care of widows and orphans. Because in the Jewish culture, if you were, if you were widowed or orphaned, you really, your provider wasn't there. And so uh, that's, I, I think modern day um, widows and orphans are really single moms. You know, there's so many single moms today. I grew up with a single mom, a one-parent household with seven of us knuckleheads. And, uh, um, and then just children, when there's children involved, doesn't it just go out and break your heart? To me, it does. And so anyway, I was thinking about this. We used to do this. Um, there was a friend, and this is just how God works. Like last week, I was like, you know what, Lord, I, I, I want to I really um, expand Inspire 100 because how many of you guys know there's a lot of need? There's a ton of need. Like it, it's inexhaustible. It, it's, there's always need. And so we want to be there to tangibly help them. And uh, I was just, just kind of in my quiet time, I, I was like, you know what, go back to this this thing you guys did early on. So there was a friend, a missionary, and she calls and she says, hey, Mike, uh, the warlords in Burma, first time in, I don't remember how many years, are letting us go in. And she goes, eight-year-old virgins go for $3,000. So these, basically, these sex trafficking guys go in and they convince these really poor families that, hey, you know what, we're gonna take your daughter to Thailand, we're gonna give her an education, etc." And they sell her, for $3,000 so they can provide for the rest of their family. So she was like, can you do everything you can? It just struck a chord in my heart. I said, absolutely. So we, some of you guys are around Michael. Some of you guys remember this. We, cha- we just said, God changes everything. We just came up with something. And uh, we just made advertisements like this. And it just moved people. It was almost like, I said, hey, could you, could you give 100 bucks? If there's 30 of us that give $100, we can go buy this eight-year-old version. And business people, you guys, etc. like, yeah, of course, we raised a ton of money and uh, they, they brought these little girls out. So here's how God works. So I, I find this picture and I'm like, oh, this is so good. So we're going to redo this to go, hey, before you finish reading this, an eight-year-old virgin girl will be sold as a sex slave for $3,000. But inspire100.org changes everything. So we'll, is that, I love this kind of stuff. Because it's something simple and tangible for you to talk about. Because sometimes Inspire 100, they still don't get it. Like, wait, what? You're 100 guys that give 100 bucks. And, but we take care of real needs like cars and moms and groceries and diapers. And it's just a tangible way to show these single moms and kids that we love them. So anyway, um, Ryan and Chelsea, who, who join online in Dallas, actually Chris from, from uh, Australia said, hey, is there a way, instead of taking these girls out, away from their family, $3,000, and then they take them to actual safe houses in Thailand. Is there a way that we can keep the girls in the families, still, still provide for them financially so they don't get sold, and keep them in Burma with their families? I'm like, God, yeah, why, why didn't we think of that? That's why we have the body, right? It's st- it'd still be better for, I know even my, my family situation was such a mess, but it was still mom. I still wanted to be there. I think a lot of kids are that way. It's like even they don't know any better. So I was like, that's a beautiful idea. Then Ryan and Chelsea who follow, he's like, you know what? 
I've already connected to a whole pastor network in Burma. My dad's from Burma. And we traveled all the world with Dallas Theological Seminary doing all this stuff. I'm like, is that God? Just, that's so God. So we'll start this. And, and, uh, and we're actually meeting with um, some different groups actually here locally too that uh, for the prevention. Like, it's one thing to, to get them out of sex trafficking, et cetera. But if we can prevent it, that's even better. So these little girls aren't scarred early on. So anyway, I just want to share that with you. I just... This is my heart, man. I love this kind of stuff. Is then, um, even if they have been in sex trafficking, etc., here's what I know that I know that I know. There's healing for that. The heart is healable. It really is. And so he's so good. He's entered into the depths of all of our sorrow, all of our pain, etc. He's not a high priest that's inflexible like the old covenant law. My interpretation of that scripture in Hebrews is he's not a jerk. He actually knows how we feel. He, he knows our our doubts. He knows our fears. He knows our pain, the depths of it. And he goes, there's healing for that. So whatever you're going through, there's healing for it. And uh, I just want to be a big part of this. I think we can reach so many people with stuff like this. We'll, so we'll get digital advertising as, that you guys can use as well as uh, physical things too. Cool? So thanks for letting me babble because this is one of my favorite things. So um, anyway, we'll get into the good news now. But I still think that's good news. I think that's a tangible thing that we can show these people. So under grace, there's no such thing as impossibilities. Does scripture say this? It actually does. So if we want to hit this first slide, and here's what I want you to know, is um, just like Jesus was saying in John 10, where he says, why are you persecuting me for saying I'm a son? Because as a son, you make me co-equal with the Father. Right? Now, if we're co-equals, which scripture's all over the place says, we are joint heirs of Jesus Christ. We're one with him. He's our... Two have become one. It's this mystery in marriage like Ephesians talks about where Paul's talking about this beautiful wedding ceremony that we often do at weddings. But then he says, but I'm not even talking about physical marriage. I'm talking about this mystery that you're one with him. Like, whoa, if we ever get a hold of that. That's what I'm trying to, to, get, us, to get a hold of. So out of the Passion Translation, Luke 137, no promise of God is empty of power. In the Old Covenant, it was if then, right? If we read Deuteronomy 28, it says, if you diligently hearken to the work of the law and do all these things, day and night. And I heard so many pastors and preachers talking about faith. He goes, this is where we lose you guys on faith because you're not in the word day and night. I'm like, no, I'm not because I actually have a life. And who's he talking to if you're into the word day and night? He's actually talking about Jesus. He says, if you do these things, then this is what's going to happen. So Deuteronomy 28, the first 15 verses has these beautiful promises if you look at them. If you do this, then this. But if you don't, starting in verse 16, it gets ugly, doesn't it? So there's curses involved. But if you don't do any of that, and I think that's where most Christians are. They, they can never do enough. They can never pray enough. They can never faith enough. They can never do enough. We have to stop and just go, I'm perfectly loved son, joint heir of Jesus Christ, complete in every way. We have to start there. That's where we have to start. That's revelation. And so anyway, no promise from God is empty of power. Old covenant says, if you do this, then God will do this. New covenant says, you're complete in Christ. Every promise is what? Yes and amen in him. So Paul's correcting all this stuff. And so Mark 9, 23, if you can believe all things are possible to him that believeth. Now, I want to get into this Matthew 17 and 16 just a little bit. Um, And this will just be a place where once you start to understand scripture and get it a little bit, what they're actually talking about, it becomes more beautiful. So here's, here's Jesus, Matthew 17. Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, so a mustard seed, is that a lot of faith? No, it's like the, 
what he's trying to tell them is, if you have the least little bit of faith, which we're going to help you, anything can happen. It's not a difficult thing is what he's trying to see. We're designed to live by faith. But most of us have been so hammered into us to live by the senses that we've forgotten how. So we're going to teach you how again tonight. So he says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible to you. Is that awesome? That's awesome to me. Nobody else is excited about that? <laughs> That's, that excites me, actually. And so I'm going to show you some pictures that I showed Sunday night, too. Just crazy stuff. It, on this journey, at least for, for myself and Barb and a lot of you guys, is we, we do crazy stuff. Um, but not fall down and bark like dogs and stuff where people think you're weird. It's just like we do miraculous stuff where people go, that's cool. So yeah, you want, God will do it for you too. It's not a big deal. That, the goodness of God leads to the change of heart, to repentance is what it says. So anyway, I want to give you some context in this. So I'm going to start actually the last verse in Matthew 16 to kind of show you what's going on here. Paul in the book of Romans says, we are not under the law, but we are under grace. And then he gives this whole slave owner mentality. He says, righteousness is now your master. Sin is not your master. And I think a lot of people, they, they, if we have this idea that sin is doing bad things, which I love what Francois says. He goes, sin is singular. It's thinking of yourself anything less than how God sees you. And how does God see you? The perfectly loved son and daughter of God. Perfectly loved, blessed, favored, joint heir. Everything's possible to you. Jesus came to show you what life is supposed to look like. You guys okay with that? Now, if we think anything other than that, if we think he's withholding anything or we need to work and perform, which is the law, the slave owner mentality, I've got to work to be blessed, we, all kinds of behave, bad behavior comes out of that. If we think we're anything less than perfectly loved, man, there's just trauma. There's emotional trauma in people that a lot of us... Um, how many of you guys have not had the perfect upbringing? Me. And then all of a sudden, what Bruce Wacop talks about this a lot because he's a perichoresis in Australia. Um, he was a mental health doctor. And he basically says, why did charismatics and evangelicals have the most mental health challenges of any people I know? And it's, it's pretty easy, actually, is we're designed in love. The whole world is created by him, and he is what? Love. So if we have anything going on in our life that's not perfect love, it's going to be a little dysfunctional. Then all of a sudden we're told, oh yeah, and by the way, if you don't do everything perfect for the rest of your life, God doesn't love you either. In fact, he turns his back on you because he can't look at you, you're so ugly, and uh, he won't bless you until you do. And then you guys struggle your whole life with sin, right? We're like, why can't I be better? And Paul's not talking about that. Paul's, Paul's really talking about this. He's like, listen, you once were owned, the, your, your master was sin, meaning that no matter how hard you worked, how good of a Christian you could be, you were still a slave. He owned you. Slavery owned you. But now, no matter how bad, this is, boy, this is tough for people in Christianity. No matter how much of a knucklehead you are, righteousness owns you. Paul tells them, it's like righteousness owns you now. And then he does, does his famous thing. So should we go on sinning since, since righteousness owns you? No, you're missing the whole point. He's saying, you know what? As soon as you know you're perfectly loved, you actually have pretty good behavior. The Holy Spirit actually corrects you and, and you don't desire to go off and get crazy. Now, if you do get crazy, 
Um, if you tell somebody they're number one on the interstate or something like that, on your way to church. Uh, I remember I did a lot. Like the only times we would get in arguments, Barb and I was like going to church. Because we were trying to get on our righteousness act, right? Going, okay, we're, not, we're supposed to be Christians. We're not supposed to act like that. And we're like, but you did that. And was, it doesn't happen very often anymore. Early on in Christianity, when we, when we thought we are loved and blessed and favored based on our ability to be good, man, it caused dysfunction. But once you realize he perfectly loves me, despite me, oh, now I can love my wife. Because I love because no, I'm first loved. You guys get it? So here's what he says, Matthew 16. So he says this. I want to just put this in context for you. Because it's really hard to have faith under the old covenant. When you think you're under the law, that if I work enough, pray enough, fast enough, do these things enough, then God will move, which is most of Christians, unfortunately, even, even people under grace. They still have this veil of, I got to be good. It's really hard because it says faith becomes dynamic or powerful. Faith worketh by love. When we know we're perfectly loved sons and daughters, perfectly loved brides, how would a perfect husband treat his bride? Would he ever not care for her? Never. Would he ever not provide for her? Never. Ever. Would he ever not heal her if he had the power to heal her? Never. Once we get that, ah, oh, now I can receive. So Matthew 16, I want to read the last, the last verse of that, and then we'll go right into Matthew 17. Why, why I put under grace, all things are possible. <clears throat> So here's Jesus. He says, um, uh, The Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. Oh, jeez. This is a verse, too, that'll mess you up. Matthew 16, 27. <clears throat> the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to their works, a lot of the translations say. But if you read, want to know what it says in the real Greek? It says, the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and everyone is going to receive a reward based on his work. His work. It's the same thing, the same verse, every time in there. And so most translations like, no way, it's not that good. It's, he's going to come in the glory of his angels, his, his Father, but it's based on your work. To- terrible translation, actually. And so King James actually gets it right, but we still interpret it wrong. It says, The Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and every one of you he's going to reward uh, every man according to his work. It's his, his, his. Then verse 28 says this, So verily, so truly, amen, I say unto you, there, should, there will be some standing here which shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, now the people are still waiting for that. It happened in the next verse. <laughs> So if you read Matthew 17, it says, after six days. What's six always representative in Scripture? Man's effort, right? So as soon as you get done trying yourself, after six days is what he's trying to say. When you enter into the rest on the seventh day, then you're going to see glory. It's not by power, by might, but by what? Spirit. So here's Jesus saying, after six days, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up unto a high mountain apart. And he was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. So here's what he's saying. Some of you guys, you're not going to physically die until you see the Son of Man come in his glory. And then it says, after your own effort, after six days, when you enter into the rest, Peter, James, and John saw it. It's like the next verse. We're still waiting for it. 
After six days, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up on a high mountain. Now, does anybody know what James means? James is the Greek word for Jacob. You know what Jacob means in Hebrew? The supplanter, right? Who replaces, something that replaces. You guys with me? So when when Jacob lays his head on a pillow, a rock, the, the cornerstone, what happens? His name's changed to Israel. He believes. All right. Thought I had you further along. So so here's, when Moses comes down the mountain in the Old Covenant, what happens? All hell breaks loose, right? People die. 3,000 people die. Everybody's upset, right? Aaron basically lies. He's like, listen, we thought you were gone. We didn't know where you were. So I told everybody to take their golden earrings out and, and everything else. And we threw it into the fire and this calf came out. It just happened. We didn't... If you go read it, it's pretty crazy. And if so, Aaron's lying to Moses. Actually, he's like, you know what? We just did this thing, and the calf just immediately appeared. And it doesn't say that at all. It says Aaron commands them, "Hey, bring your golden earrings, do all this stuff." And then they fashioned a calf as a god for themselves. But then when Moses comes down, he's like, "Oh, we didn't do it. It just happened, right?" It's like a kid in the cookie jar. So anyway. When Moses comes down, the old covenant, when he comes down the mountain, bad stuff happens, death happens. But now when Jesus comes down the mountain, what happens? So there's all word pictures in here. So once you, after, once you stop your own efforts, after six days, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John. Now Peter, in this whole Matthew 16, 17, and 18, he's, Jesus says to Peter, now Peter, who do you say that I am? And what does Peter say? You are the Christ the son of, no, he says, who do you say that the son of man is? That's what, that was his question. So are you guys sons of men? Yeah, we're, we're born of uh, uh, earthly mom and dad, are we not? And so the question was, who do you say the son of man is? And he says, the son of man is the son of God. That's every one of us. You guys get it? And he says, Peter, upon that revelation, I'm going to build my church. Got it? So, all right. Now, I know Joseph Prince interprets this, this that... James means to supplant to replace, which is, which is cool, but I think it's even deeper than that. It says, after six days, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John and his brother, brings them up on a high mountain. When they come down, so if we take Peter, James, and John, when Jesus comes down with Peter, James, and John, John means Johannan or God's grace. James means to exchange or supplant, and Peter means the stones. So how Joseph Prince interprets it, which is good. Uh, he says, the stones that Moses came down with were replaced by Yohanan, God's grace. You guys get it? I think it's even better. I think it's, yeah, that's good. But I think it's the revelation that it's not by your works, because he's all in context of works here, where he says this. He says, Peter, the, upon this revelation, when you guys get that you're sons of God, that replaces. That's what's going to be replaced the old covenant idea of stones, because how Francois teaches Peter, he's like the ship off the old block, where he says, hey, he is the rock, and we're cut out of the rock, not made by human hands. So anyway, regardless, however you want to do it, when Moses came down, bad things happened. When Jesus comes down with Peter, James, and John, really good stuff happens. It's replaced by God's grace. Cool? 
So different things happen. That's why it says, And he was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah, which is the law and the prophets. Moses represents the law, and Elijah is the prophets. Then he answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, is, Peter says, Lord, it's good for us to be here, if thou will. Let us make here three tabernacles, or tents, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. So they're still incorporating the, the law and the prophets. <clears throat> and when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man except Jesus only. So the law and the prophets are going away. They're being replaced, is what he's trying to show them. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell, no vi- tell this vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? <clears throat> and Jesus answered and said to them, Elijah truly has already come, and, restore, and he's going to restore all things. Remember John 10, he says, all, he quotes Psalm 82 where it says, I'm just saying you're the Son, but your own scriptures say ye are gods, and scripture can't be broken. Right? And then if you go look at Psalm 82, though, it says, all things are out of place. I have said you are princes, but you're going to fall like men because you you, you've forgotten who you are. You've separated yourself from who you truly are as this divine son of God. <clears throat> but I say unto you that Elijah has already come, and they knew him not, but they have done unto him whatsoever they like. Likewise, the son of man shall suffer, and the same thing's going to happen to me, is what Jesus says, because they don't understand who I am. They, didn't, they missed Elijah, they're going to miss me. And then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist. <clears throat> so John the Baptist... Um, was Elijah. You guys get it? How, how he interprets scripture? So, and when they came to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on me, for my son is a lunatic, and he's sore vexed, for oftentimes he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to thee and the disciples, they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? Genea, it says Genea in Greek there, which is 40 years. He's talking about that. How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil. Now, I personally don't think this is devil come out, like how people are taught. Diablos is what? I've talked to you guys about this a lot. Diabolos, the wrong mindset, the fallen mind. So here's what he's doing. When you get light, when you get revelation, so Saul, before he had this conversion to Paul, Saul's killing Christians in the name of God, is he not? And then a great light comes. See, to me, the Diablos was cast out of him at that point. He saw a great light. Oh, I get it now. Now, if you grew up in a culture where you have to scream and hold a cross up and curse this and fight this demon, etc., it still works. It's a really f- fascinating thing because if you're taught that and you believe that, as, as you believe, be it unto you. I saw it in Africa all the time. But I wouldn't do it like that. Personally, if people came to me crazy, I would try to put my arm around them and go, it's going to be okay, and just calm them down. And I've had the same effect of yelling at somebody. I've seen people just destroy people, just like devil come out and the people are flopping around and doing their thing and we get the same results as just, just relax, it's gonna be okay. God loves you. They calm down. See, that's the, anyway, if you believe you gotta yell at them and cast the demon out, then great. I just think it's, I just, <laughs> I just can't picture perfect love doing that. Can you? Just weird to me. <clears throat> and Jesus rebuked the Diablos and he parted out of him and child was cured from that very hour. Then there came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could we not cast this fallen mindset out? 
And Jesus said unto him, because of your unbelief, this scripture where we're at, for verily I say unto you, if you had faith as a mustard seed, if you knew who you are, and you, you could explain it to them and teach them who they are, that all things are possible to you, and you, you don't need this. You have it, is what Jesus is trying to say. You are the same as me. You could do this if you had a mustard seed of faith. So faith is just persuasion that we're one with him, and we have his ability. We have his anointing. This, the mystery that's been hidden for ages is the anointing. I don't think we understand the anointing like the Old Testament guys did. If you were anointed, you were the man. You got legend suites at every game. You were with John Elway at you're just, you're the cream of the crop. Does that make sense? That's who we are. And then, there's, then the mystery is, hey, it's not just the kings, the prophets, and the priests that are anointed. Who's anointed? Every one of us. The layperson is what it says. You mean the anointing's within? Let's act like it. So everything that was attracted to Jesus is attracted to the anointing in you. Man, if we get that, that's what he's trying to tell them. This won't be hard for you. Are you following me so far? So he says, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you had faith as a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, nothing shall be moved, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Does anybody have a, an NIV, for instance? I was just going to ask, can somebody read me Matthew 21 out of an NIV? It's not there. <laughs> what happened? The next verse says this. This is why I think people get screwed up. So then it says, verse 21 in King James, it says, How be it, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Oh, Lord, now we've got to do this fasting thing. I thought Jesus came eating and drinking. Right? Caused a lot of problems. Because how many guys prayed and fasted enough today? No, I was eating Cheetos, watching the game. It was just awesome. It was wonderful. <clears throat> it's not there. If you go look, it says N-U, which means added by the translators. It's not there. If you had faith, why do you need to pray and fast? He's just telling them, if you had faith as a mustard seed, this will work. Oh, but it's not good enough. You need to pray and fast. You don't have to do anything but believe. So I'm just trying to get you to see who you are. So don't look at it that. So that's what he's trying to tell them here. He says, if you can believe, all things are possible. And what's belief? Belief is just being persuasion that I carry the anointing of him. And when I pray, I shall receive because I'm a one with him so that my joy may be full. I know I'm going to keep hammering that, but that's, I just, whenever I'm like, wait a minute, whenever I pray, and that's that Greek word ask, which is a terrible translation. It's that ahitio, but it really means to lay claim to. When I realize I already own all of this, ha, ah, then I have it. When I get revelation that I already have it, then I have it. That's what it says. That's kind of simple, but that's really faith. You good, good so far? All right, so that's where all that context come from. That's why I said, under grace, all things are possible to you. So if you're in a negative situation, what should be our attitude? Wait a minute. All things are possible unto me, right? This, this father's in this negative situation. My son's got this terrible thing. And Jesus says, oh, guys, how long am I going to deal with you guys, right? I'm trying to tell you, you have it. If you've just had the faith of it as a mustard seed, and all that is is seeing what you already are, knowing who you already are, going, you know what? I'm gonna, how do I really want this to be in my life? I'm going to picture it and feel as if it's already done, and it'll be done. That's prayer. So that's, you guys good so far? All right, let's go to this next slide. I, I probably took a little more time on that than I needed to. So what's that a picture of? That's a picture of you and I. <laughs> it's really the Ark of the Covenant on the shoulders of 
priests. And if you go interest, it's really interesting when, when supposedly Moses is getting the command to, to build the, the Ark of the Covenant, he says, you know what, those acacia poles should never come out of the four corners. And if you understand what the four is, the four corners of the earth, the four carpenters in Revelation, in Hebrew, four was always earthly, every part of earth, right? And to a Jew, again, earth was, earth was the part of the temple structure where we are, where man can go, and then heaven was where God is, and where heaven meets man is the holiest of holies, which is exactly what scripture says, and it's actually what science says. So anyway, I just thought that was a better picture of it. So, because it's pretty cool that it's, that it's on the shoulders of men, and they have this golden ark, which is all carved out of one thing, the lid and the cherubim, which is in, when you realize, gold is always divine. And when the gold mercy seat and the cherubim is all carved out of one piece of gold, and it's you, that's who that is. What's carried on the shoulders of men? Our head, or our cherubim. Our, this is the most holy, where he says, I'm going to meet you between the cherubim, which is where we can't see him. It's in the spirit realm, but he goes, I'm going to meet you in your heart and mind. Guess what? My presence is in you. You thought it was God over here up on this thing. It's really a picture of you. That's what Paul says. Jesus says the same thing. Hey, when you destroy this temple, I'll raise it again in three days. This tent, this, this tabernacle made of skin. And Paul tells the same thing. Don't you get it, guys? You are the temple. So all of those types and shadows are pointing to you. So what's cool is when the high priests or the Levites, actually, when they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant, when they step into the River Jordan at flood stage, what does it say the, the waters did? The floods backed up all the way to a city called Adam. First man. Amen? So Jesus, then we just read all this. You know, I've, I've talked about it so many times, I don't want to do that. So what's the new covenant fulfillment? That all this, the law, the Psalms, and the prophets is written about Jesus. So John the Baptist meets Jesus at the River Jordan. John the Baptist steps in. Jesus goes under the flood waters, judgment. And when he comes out, what happens? The Holy Spirit comes. You're a son. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I'm trying to get all of us to believe we're his beloved son and he's well pleased with us. What if you messed up today? Your master is righteousness. You're still righteous. <laughs> so are you just saying? No, I'm not saying. Paul's saying. So yes, I am saying that though. I don't care how screwed up you are. Your real identity is perfect love and perfectly righteous. Man, when you get that. So I just wanted to show you that picture because I think once we get it, it's all in that context where they're going from this old and new covenant. All right, so next slide. So as I was, I wanted to show you this because this is the stupid stuff we do. I found these. I was like, oh my God, I forgot about these. When you really start to get all things are possible. So this was during the fires a few years ago. <clears throat> and everybody here, I know Ron and Martha, I saw you guys like the fire went around, burned the house next to you, went around your house, burnt the next house, Right? I want to make sure I got the story right. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, there you are. True, right? And then no smoke damage, even though you had windows open. Pretty cool. So everybody we prayed for, their house didn't burn. Now, I think this is one of the most cool. Because, I don't know if you can see that, but that's a fence line. And this is a, this is a corner fence. And it actually says, no trespassing beyond this point. So the fire literally stopped at their fence line, their property line, every way around it. And the fire marshal goes, fires don't go in 90 degree. Like right around the fence post there. Said, I know, but all things are possible to him who believes. 
<laughs> is that cool or is that cool? So as I was looking for the Inspire 100 photo, I'm like, God, I forgot about this stuff. Like, hey, so if your house did burn down, and you guys know our story, I was actually wanting my house to burn down because all my neighbor's house were burning down. And we were in the hottest part of the fire at one point, just like red, red. And I couldn't get anybody to, to go, is your house there? I'm like, you know what, Lord, I don't want to try to sell my house with all my neighbor's house burned down. And I don't know if you ever looked at a forest that's burned down. It's not pretty for the next 15 years. Still, if you go out in Black Forest, it's pretty ugly to me. So I'm like, you know what, Lord, it would just be better just to burn that thing down than trying to sell that thing or live in the, the lodge poles. And I call Barb. She's like, you know what? Angelique and I had just prayed. It's going to be fine. And I'm like, son of a gun. And then I explained how insurance, because Angelique's like, Dad, I prayed because I don't want to lose my American Girl dollars, dolls. And then when I, and Bear didn't want to lose his Legos. I was like, no, no, you guys, no, you don't get it. If it burns, you get a check and you get to go buy new stuff. And they're like, oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> but honestly, I, I knew him right at that moment when Barb, she, I was like, a child's heart, when Angelique's like, it's going to be okay, Dad, because I prayed. And I'm not going to lose my American Girl dolls. I'm like, that thing is going to stand there like nobody's business. And sure enough, exactly where they prayed, they didn't go around the barn with the four-wheelers and the, all the fun stuff. So that burned. They, they actually walked it and just said, you know what? This is where the fire is going to end. And that's exactly where it ended. It was so hot that it melted our sprinklers in the front. But same thing. Once the insurance adjusters get in there, they go, did you already have... Uh, those guys come in and fix your house? Like, get rid of Like, no, this is the first time in the house. Like, wow, there's no smoke in here. I go, I, but isn't that cool? That's cool that it goes 90 degree corners on your property. All things are possible to him who believes. Hey, you got to tell your story sometimes, Sulem. Not tonight. I don't, oh, you want to do it tonight? Huh? I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but I think it's perfect. Yeah, maybe if I, I, as I share this, because you did exactly this. It's really cool. So anyway, I just want to show you that. Isn't that cool? That's really cool to me. So anyway, next slide. All right. I want to just show you something. So starting next week, like I said, we're going to go through that Dr. Carolyn Leaf book. I just want to show you a couple things. I know Christians get really nervous about science and new agey and all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, but they're all saying the same thing. And if they weren't getting results, I would ignore it. But they are getting results. And so this is the incredible power God has given us. Now, this is Dr. Carolyn Leaf. This is the incredible power God has given us to be able to think and choose and create reality. Hallelujah. Where's, do you believe that all things are possible to God? Yes. Where is he going to meet man? Within, between the cherubim, right? In your hearts and minds where you can't go. You can't see it in the natural is what he's trying to say. He goes, so if all things are possible to God and you're one with him, then how many things are possible to you and I? Should be all, right? Where we should be this light to the world. And so anyway, I just, I think that's great. Steve McBay, he's, he's really on this, uh, the quantum physics right now, which I love if you want to watch some of his stuff. How do we bring things out of the spirit realm to reality? Science calls it observation or focus. That's quantum physics. As Michael, you know, us science geeks. Here's what quantum physics says. Whatever you focus on appears. Weird, huh? So whatever you pay attention to in your mind will become realities. Everybody's saying the same thing. What you focus on is what ends up manifesting. <clears throat> now, Napoleon Hill, out of Think and Grow Rich, so I did that book a year ago, 
and my niece wants me to do it again. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to do uh, switch on your brain probably for the next four weeks, and then I'll do think and grow rich again. That, that really gets people nervous. But if you do it, it actually works. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I love about it. So all down the ages, the religionists have admonished struggling humanity to have faith in this, that, other dogma or creed. Jesus says, you don't have to have a lot. It's just a little bit. This isn't hard is what he's trying to say. So, <clears throat> but they have felt, failed to tell people how to have faith. I disagree with that. What they have told you is pray in tongues more, get into the Bible more, do this more, and stop sinning. Then God will move. We just get frustrated. We get tired and frustrated. And if children can enter into the kingdom, I know that's not the truth. Because I don't know about your kids, but if I tell Bear, you got to pray and fast, stop playing Nintendo, get into the word more, stay up all night, start a prayer chain, then God will move. He's like, I don't want that God. I don't blame him because I don't want that God either. But if children can enter into the kingdom and go, you know what, we just trust. We just trust that God's good and he loves us and he's going to take care of us. That's faith. That's persuasion. So anyway, they failed to tell people, in my opinion, the correct way. They have not stated that faith is a state of mind and that it may be induced by self-suggestion. It is a well-known fact that one, that one comes finally to believe whatever one repeats to oneself. If you keep repeating your, something to yourself over and over, what does scripture call that? Meditation, Right? Meditate. So it says, David meditated in the cool and, you know, all these things. So it's well-known fact that one comes finally to believe whatever one isn't belief, faith, persuasion. So whatever one repeats to oneself, whether the statement be true or false. <clears throat> Norman Vincent Peale, all you guys, go to a competent spiritual advisor and let them teach you how to faith, have faith. The ability to possess and utilize faith and gain the release of its power it provides are skills like any skill must be studied and practiced to gain perfection. I don't think it needs to be studied. I think it's so easy. You just need to practice it, to be honest with you. And what is it? Meditation is simply, you're very good at it. I've always said, we're very good at being worried ninnies, aren't we? Worried about everything. The only reason we're worried about stuff and get stirred up, which is why our emotions are there to show us, hey, you're thinking about this incorrectly, is because we've over and over and over in our mind, we've thought about if this happens, then this happens, and then this is going to happen and I can't handle that. Isn't it true? And then we have fear, we have anxiety, etc. We're really good meditators. The opposite's also true. Wait a minute. I don't care if anything even bad's happened to us. Then we just, where's our focus? Because what we focus on is what we're going to start to see back in our life. So if we're focused on stop doing that, man, if you would have done this, uh, if you, sh- you shouldn't have done that, all these different things that Christianity teaches. You should have been better at this. <coughs> um, if you would have heard God clearly, we wouldn't be in this mess. <laughs> if you would have heard God clearly, you wouldn't act that way. <laughs> because God keeps no record of wrong. Right? Husband and wives are really good at this, aren't we? We start getting down on that thing. Ah, oh, what a mess. So, <clears throat> when we start thinking about the right thing, that's what starts to happen. Uh, Dr. Carolyn Leaf, this is the incredible power God has given you and I to be able to think and choose. Didn't he say that even in the Old Covenant? I've set before you life and death. Choose which one you want. Choose life, right? And there's a reason why it says, don't let the sun go down without forgiving somebody. You know why? Because you go through that stage right before you fall asleep, which is theta. So if you're festering about unforgiveness about anybody, you're 
your, your wife, your husband, your this guy did this to me, this guy did that to me, or whatever, that gets direct implant into your heart. He's like, get rid of that before you go to bed. Does that make sense? In fact, what I would challenge you to do before you go to bed, if something negative happened, picture the perfect day that you wanted. And go, thank you, Father, that this is exactly how my day went, even if it didn't, because what goes on between here is more real than what actually physically happened. I'm so convinced of that today. And guess what? When you start doing that, how's the next day going to be? Better. Better. Isn't it? So I'm like, you know what, Lord? You guide me in in every step of my life. And even when I make a mistake, you make my mistakes to prosper. I'm in a win-win covenant. Hallelujah. And then you don't get too worked up about stuff. Does that help you guys? All right. So let's let's go to the next slide here. I'll, I'll finish this up. So I want to do this Passion Translation again. Luke 1. No promise from God is empty of power. Jesus says that over and over. Paul says that over and over. If you can just believe how many things are possible to you. All. According to your faith, be it unto you. And he says, you don't need a lot. It's just a little bit. So what, how you see yourself and what you believe about yourself is what's going to happen in your life is what he's trying to say. And I think so many people do this. They're like, well, where was God when this happened? thinking that he's this orchestrator out here, that he's just, he's doing this. And somehow we have to get him to respond to us, but, but where's God? In here. Does that make sense? So if we don't take captive our thoughts to the obedience of Christ, we get haywire is really all that's happening. So this stuff starts to happen in our lives where we can be persuaded by other things, other people, etc. if we don't control our own thought life. Does that make sense to you guys? In fact, I, it's, it's really fascinating because if you come into a situation, um, you guys all know this, is if you believe more than the person sitting across from you or in this, they get persuaded by you. Your heart actually starts affecting them. So that's why I'm like, I want you to get solid that who you are, that all things are possible to you. And you're not just, God's not just this whimsical thing doing this to you. It's what's going on in here. And if things are going on incorrectly in your life, then fix this. That's really all it is. Is there's no fact that if you think on the right thing, it'll fix. It'll heal. Isn't that cool? So anyway, no promise from God is empty of power. All the promises of God are yes and amen. For with God, there is no such thing as an impossibility. I love that. So when Paul and Silas were thrown in prison, that we would think in today's culture, oh my God, where did they miss God? Wouldn't we? They obviously didn't hear God clearly because they threw him in jail. What was their reaction when they got thrown in jail? They started praising. And sure enough, the jail opens up, right? (laughs) I'm just trying to make it practical for today. So all the promises of God are yes and amen, yet most Christians are frustrated by their prayer life and results. They focused on religious activities and not the divinity within. So most people, when something negative happens, oh my God, oh my God, call so-and-so, get the prayer chain going, etc., versus calming yourself down, how would you like it to be? Because all things are possible to him, and he meets you within. Father, I thank you that this is how it is. And before I've even asked, he said yes. So if I can simply believe that what goes on in here is going to change everything out here, that's faith. It's that simple. Irregardless of everything else going on, or five senses and just go, he's given me the ability to co-create with him. He meets with he with him. And if I can just have a little bit of belief that what's really in the unseen is more real than the seen, it happens. Does that make sense to you guys? That's it. That's, that's faith. It gets no harder than that. So how long do you have to pray and fast for that? Zero. 
Zero. How, how long do you need the Shabbat for that? <laughs> as long as you want, but as soon as you get revelation, it's over, right? And so uh, it's really none of that, right? How many need to, um, I don't wanna, you know the religious activities that we all do, right? Uh, if you would have done this or if you would have done that, then God wouldn't do this. No, that's wrong, total wrong belief. That's not, that's not faith as a mustard seed. That's still your works versus my works. I did this, then God moved. No, wait a minute. When you believe the right thing, it happens with you. We're co-creators from within. We get to choose what we want our life to look like. So <clears throat> the people, this is just a flashback to me. People, there's three things that I deal with as in ministry almost all the time. They want to deal with, people desire to live with no financial concerns, don't they? They don't necessarily want to be super abundantly rich or anything like most people that I come across, but they're like, you know what? I just don't want to have to worry about money. Is that, is that fair to, for most people? Yeah, so Jesus comes and he, he gives them, see, this is where once you start to get that his riches are flowing nonstop all the time, you just partake whenever you want, then life starts to get a little bit easier. And he says, look at the birds. They don't sow nor reap. What happens? God provides for them. And then he says, you know what? Stop worrying about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, where you're going to live. The Gentiles worry about this stuff. You're a son of God. You don't even need to pray about it. And they say that. So once you get, so I would just encourage you before you go to bed, if this is a struggle in your life, and when you wake up, you know what, Lord? Thank you, Father, that your riches are flowing into every area of my life. All of my needs are met at all times. You're, you're, you give enough that I always overflows, so I have enough for myself and to give to every good need. That's Paul. There's so much that I have that I can always give, but I'll always have enough for myself. Once you get that, that light, then you don't struggle with it anymore. Does that help? So, that's, they want to be free from disease. Isn't that a big one? Yeah. So can you be free from disease? Sure you can. All things are possible to him who believes, right? What if you eat chili cheese dogs? Can you still be free from disease? Yes. In fact, like at 2 a.m., go to 7-Eleven. That's the best stuff. It's like crusty stuff you got to knock off. and Put a big... The rotisserie, <laughs> that nasty cheese, it's just so good. It's so good, guys. It's so good with a big gulp. It's just, ah, those were the days. Barbara and I would like scrounge for 69 cents in our car because we had 69 cent big gulps. You remember that? And you put a hot dog under the, under the nachos and just pour that chili cheese and so good. It's better than leaves. So just, <laughs> I don't know. I guess I can just read my Bible. It says nothing that goes in me defiles a man. Because <laughs> even he says, he goes, what goes in you, what, Jesus says this, what goes in does what? Comes out. That's what it says. He goes, what goes in, you poop out. Why are you worried about what you put in there? That's what he says. Well, don't you know, this will do this to you. No, it'll do it to you because that's what you believe. When you finally get, wait a minute, all things are possible to me. He gave, the, he gave me taste buds to enjoy it, not to fast. You guys get it? Jesus came eating and drinking, festive, hallelujah. Hey, Thanksgiving's coming up. How many of you guys are going to fast all day? What are you going to do with your family? Hopefully pig out. 
Oh, I shouldn't do that because it's gluttonous. No, that's gone. There's no law. Amen? Be a glutton. Have fun. It's good for you every now and then. In fact, read Deuteronomy, 20, read Deuteronomy 14. It says, take your tithe money and go pig out, and whatever your soul lusts for, do it. And keep and include the Levites, is what it says. Invite your pastor. <laughs> I've got it backwards. I go, come on to my house. We're going to do all this fun stuff together. Right? People go, I, I, anyway. It's, it's real, is what I'm trying to tell you. So get out of this. If you do this, this causes this. You've just put yourself under the law, and that'll kill you. Does that help you? <clears throat> Some of you ladies are really ticked at me now because the doctor said, the doctor's wrong. He is. No, he's actually right if you believe it. That's what's going to happen to you, right? Does that help? So anyway, ah, they want to be free from disease. Yes, guess what? You can be totally free. You can be totally free. Amen? Wait a minute. All things are possible. So we, we went through some of that. Like the, the, the lady who, the gymnast who was paralyzed and Joe Dispenza, et cetera, the lady who was paralyzed, paraplegic, three weeks later, she's walking with a cane. And all she said is, stop asking, the doctors were asking all this, stop asking me all of that. I still have a brain and I can still feel what it felt like to go flip, which I know is more real than my physical condition right now, which is exactly why she was healed. You guys get it? So stop giving me all the doctor's reports. I get it. I can still think and feel what it feels like to flip like a gymnast. And that's what's going to be true to me. That's what's going on in between the cherubim. You guys get it? Okay. So, and they want to feel valuable and love, free and guilt and shame. You got to get rid of, that's why that, that video of Joe Dispenza and his daughter, he says something so critical to me in there. He says, never feel guilty about anything you do, good or bad. You got to get rid of guilt. So, and you know what? When you just realize, oh, man, you love me and bless me and favor me despite me. That's how I think about it with myself. I'm such a knucklehead sometimes. And you still just bless me? Oh, man, that makes me fall in love with him. Does that make sense? And then I can put up with more stuff. I'm not as intolerable of others. Because if you think God's really judgmental, what happens to you? You get really judgmental. You can walk around with signs going, God hates abortion versus let's go provide for those ladies. That's better, I think. That's one of the things we're going to do with Inspire. It'll just really irritate the Christians. Hey, instead of yelling at them, why don't we go, you know what? God loves you perfectly. Whether you have that abortion or not, you know what? A lot less of them will have abortions. But prohibition, when you go, don't do that, what are they going to do? Fear comes up. I can't tell my pastor. I certainly can't tell my mom. I can't tell the church because I have all this guilt. You're like, hey, we've all messed up. It's going to be okay. God's going to love you and bless you, you and your child, whatever you want to do. He loves you. Don't ever let it skip a beat. Man, it'll clear things up. You guys with me on that? So no signs, guys. Heal this. Heal this. That's typically what's going on in those ladies. So anyway, faith, assurance, persuasion happens in the secret place of the Most High between the cherubim. Do you believe that? All right. Did I put anything else up here, Jeffrey? Oh, yeah. So we'll finish here. All right, God has not given us a spirit of fear, yet most Christianity uses fear and hell as this thing, right? If you don't do this, if you don't say the magic words before you die, what happens? I love you so much I created this place to torture you forever because I'm this spurned boyfriend that can't stand that you don't love me back called hell. That's just crazy talk, isn't it? It's crazy. Love would never do that. Love keeps no record of wrong. So God has not given us that spirit that we have to fear him. It's like even on the, the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus shows up, what did they all do? 
They fell on their face with fear because they have this guy, this distant God concept like, oh my God. And what does he say to them over and over and over? Don't be afraid. Jesus comes and he says, you know what? I didn't come to judge you. I came to heal your heart. I want you to show you that I'm a loving father. So anyway, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Power of love and of a sound mind. The mirror translation, mind saved from tolerating inferior thoughts. So we got to stop these inferior thoughts that were anything less than perfectly loved sons. In fact, I, I remember uh, um, one of the things that Bishop Oyedo taught me, he said, uh, he goes, we're not begging God. We're behaving God. Act like gods is what he's saying. Act like you know who you are as a son. I was like, man, that is good. That is good. Isn't that good? We're behaving like him. So don't intolerate or fear your thought. He's like, I didn't give you a spirit of fear. I gave you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. There, so what, power, love, sound mind, that's, that's in here, isn't it? Where he meets us, the cherubim. So thinking of ourselves as unworthy, replaying fearful, negative thoughts in our minds robs us of that. That's what he says. That'll rob you of, of who you are and your identity, <clears throat> creativity, and hopefulness. And so here's what I want you to get. We're perfectly loved sons. Divinity is within this mystery that's been hidden for ages, but is now revealed the anointing of Christ is in you. It's within. And I'm going to meet you between the cherubim. And whatever you do there is more real than the, what you see, and that's what's going to be created. You guys get it? He's not this God that we're begging. Behave, God. Whew. I just get the chills even when I say that again. So what we hold in our imagination, your hearts, right? Your minds, the supernatural, the spirit starts to bring it out of the spirit and into form. Your heart or subconscious can be healed. So guess what? Have, we, have all of us have really tragic things happen to us? Yeah, most of us have, right? Here's what I know. There's healing for that because he's entered into every part of that and he can heal that. It's really what we focus on. It's really what we focus on. I know there's tragic things that happen to a lot of you. I know when Barb first met me and saw my childhood, she honestly said she's like a psychologist would have said you're an ax murderer. Haven't done it yet, thank God. <laughs> For true. No, it's like, I, you know what? I don't know. I, I think I had an auntie that prayed for me all the time. I don't know how it worked. I think she did this for me. I don't know. But I'm thankful. Because I'm like, man, tragic. So I get it. I'm not denying all that stuff. But stop dwelling on it. There's healing for it, okay? You okay with that? Because people are like, where was God in this? That's why I love Brad Jorgen. He says, I don't know. Let's ask. And when, you, when people actually do it, when they close their eyes and start to imagine They'll always see him. And it's like, oh my God, he was there. He didn't leave me. And if you ask him, what's he saying? Almost every time they'll go, exactly what they needed to hear. And then they think, oh, that was too perfect. That must be me. I'm like, yes, who's he going to use? He's going to give you something so perfect that it can't be anything other than, yes, that's perfect to exactly what you needed. You guys get it? Because almost every time they're like, where was God when this tragic thing happens to me? I'm like, I don't know, let's ask him. Just enter into that picture in your mind again. And just look for him. Say, Jesus, reveal yourself. Where were you? And they'll almost always tell you, oh, he's over here. Or he's over there. Or he's behind me. You go, ask him to come in front of you. He'll do it in your imagination. And then go look into his eyes and ask him, what's he telling you? And it'll, it'll be perfect, guys. I'm telling you, it'll be, it's not my fault. I've always loved you. I was there for you. I've never left you. It'll always be something like that. Isn't that beautiful? So I know there's healing for it. So when there's healing for it, then we start to go, you know what? Let's start thinking what we want our life to look like because what we do in here, all you need to know, guys, is if you have faith as a mustard seed, meaning 
If you can just believe what you picture in your mind in the unseen, where you meet God face to face, that's where you meet him. Hey, I've, I've, I was diagnosed with this. I'm just going to make something up. All right. The, the gymnast was a paraplegic. That's not made up. It's not even a diagnosis. Like, no, you're paralyzed from the neck down. And the doctor is going, you might get a little recovery. You might be able to use a, one of your hands to do a motorized uh, wheelchair, right? And she says, I still have a mind, and I can still feel what it feels like. I'm like, holy smokes. Either she was really trained or she is tuned in, because that is perfect, isn't it? Stop asking me and telling me all these physical facts, because what I can picture in my mind, nothing shall be impossible to me. Whatever I hold in my mind consistently and repeat to myself and see and feel that over and over and over is exactly what's going to be happening in my life. So you can get excited. Amen? Does that help you? That's prayer. That's meditation. That's behaving God, as Bishop O'Yeather would say. So anyway, you can get to your feet. Hopefully that makes sense to you guys. Oh. I've got that. I've got testimonies I forgot to read. I'll save them for next week. Bunch of them. Really good ones. <laughs> Crazy stuff again. Like great stuff, whatever, like stuff that rational people would go, oh, get realistic. No, that sucks. Realism is not fun at all, is it? Realism is I'm a paraplegic. (laughs) No, the same God that loves me, created me, can heal me just like this, and he's one with me. So if I think like he thinks, I'll have what he has. Amen? That's it. That's faith. Isn't that good? So Father, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for the testimonies. Just let this message get into their hearts that they can just see who they are that they're perfectly loved sons and daughters and that whatever they do where we meet you face to face is exactly what their life is going to look like nothing's impossible to us when we know we're perfectly loved not under the law where we have to earn it where we have to be good enough where we have to do enough read enough fast enough pray enough now it's just a mustard seed of once i get revelation that what i picture there is exactly the prayer that's going to come to life now I'm a son. Now I'm a joiner. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Hopefully that makes sense.